Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. I want to talk to you today uh, on a topic that I've titled Make Room. Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, it's time to make room. It's time, it's time to make room. Come on, somebody. Anybody uh, making room in their closet uh, with the new clothes that you got from Christmas? Come on, somebody. Out with the old and in uh, with the new. Uh, it's time to make room in the refrigerator. It's time to throw those uh, Christmas meals away, all right? Y'all know seven days pass. Uh, it's, you can't eat that um, anymore. Any guys uh, got a new grill or ladies got a new grill and it's time to throw the old one out and, uh, and install that black stone? Come on. Uh, excited for that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's time to make room. We make room for what we prioritize, right? We, we, we make room in our life for the things that uh, we value. And, and as I was praying about this message and praying about uh, going into the new year, I've been evaluating some of the goals that I had for 2023 and uh, maybe some of the things that I've come up short in. Uh, and if I'm honest with myself and if we're honest collectively, uh, oftentimes we don't accomplish what we, uh, what we want to in our goals because we haven't made room uh, for them in our lives. Come on, type A people uh, in our Google calendars, right? We make room uh, for what we uh, prioritize and what we desire. The same thing is true spiritually, right? We often want to grow spiritually, right? Maybe that's one of your goals going into the new year. I want to I grow closer to the Lord. And the reality of it is, if we don't make room to see God move, we'll miss him. If we don't make room to see God in 2024, we'll miss some of the things that he's doing. In Matthew chapter 17, there's a story of Jesus' disciples. They're trying to cast out this demon in this father's uh, uh, son, and, and they can't do it. And so the father brings the son to Jesus, and he says, hey, I brought him to your disciples, and, and they couldn't do it. So can you? And Jesus says, can I? Uh, with faith, anything is possible. And the man says, uh, well, I have faith, but help my unbelief. And, and Jesus, he casts out this demon. And, and later on, the disciples come to him. And they say, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we, why couldn't we see this breakthrough? Why couldn't we see this miracle? And in verse 21, Jesus replies this. He says, however, this kind, talking about the spirit that was in the boy, does not go out except, and let's say these last words together, by prayer and fasting. You see, the, the disciples almost missed a miracle because they had not made room in their life through prayer and fasting. And that's what I want to, I want to talk to you about that today. These two things, there's a, there's a lot of things you can do and I can do in my life uh, to make room for God. But today I want to, I want to try to tackle prayer and fasting um, as we go into this time of prayer and fasting as a church. Um, and, and I want to look at what the Word says uh, about it. The first thing is we need to prepare by fasting. Really, that's what fasting is. It, it, it prepares my heart so that I can see God's heart. 
It removes distraction. It, it drowns out the noise of the world. You ever been driving with somebody and it starts pouring down raining? Y'all are listening to music and they're like, yo, turn that down. Turn, hey, turn, turn, turn that music down. Right? You, you ever been driving as if the music is going to impair you from driving? But for some reason, we say, no, no, turn that music down because, because it's a distraction from driving. Just the noise of listening to the music distracts us from driving. We know that we're trying to get to where we're trying to go and this rain is coming down and we need to turn the music down so that we're not distracted. And really and truly, that's what fasting is. It's turning the music down of the world. It's removing the distractions of this life so that we can hear and see God's heart in our life. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 2 through 5, Jesus uh, has just come out of being baptized. The Spirit descends on him like a dove. And then it says he's led into the wilderness. Um, and he says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I think it's interesting that Jesus, he fasts for 40 days, and the Bible says he was hungry. Come on, somebody. If you catch me after a 40-day fast, all it's going to take is a number one from Chick-fil-A. No pickles, okay? You put a large fry and a large Coke Zero in front of me, and I'm yours, right? Like, like I'm done, right? It says, it says Jesus, he was hungry. He was hungry after this 40-day fast. And here's the reality about fasting, right? Uh, it, it, it prompts us to rely on God, right? Fasting, it, 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 it prompts us to depend on God because in some ways it makes our flesh weak, right? When, when we're fasting, right, it, it, it makes us, the Bible says that, that he was hungry, Right, really all fasting is, is it's removing distractions from our life so that we can depend on God. It says he was hungry. And then I find it interesting that the enemy comes and says, if you really are the son of God, then, 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 then fix this hunger of yours. Right? He attacks his weakness in that moment. And of course, Jesus replies, man shall not live on on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I, I love how when we remove these distractions from our life, um, if you've ever fasted, you know, right? Like uh, at, at some point you're going to want food, right? At, at some point you're, it's, it's going to be rumbly tumbly, right? And, and you're going to be wanting something to eat. For, for those of you who've done a social media fast, Right? I, I did a social media fast this, this, this year, and, um, and, and I deleted the app off of my phone, but I found myself, even throughout the fast, like, opening my, like mindlessly opening my phone uh, and clicking where the app used to be. Anybody, anybody done a social media fast? You know what I'm talking about? It's as if my mind uh, knew exactly how to go back to the very thing that my body was craving. And it's the, it's the same thing with fasting. There's, there's going to be a point in time in this 21 days of prayer and fasting that you're going to desire what was distracting you. 
And and in those moments, this is why fasting is so important uh, in our spiritual development because it gives us an opportunity to say, God, help me desire you as much or more than I'm desiring this thing that was distracting me. Right? Help me hunger for you. When I'm fasting food, I, I, I say, God, would you help me hunger and desire for your kingdom more than I desire food in this moment? Right? It gives us a, a moment to, to, to depend on God instead of the distractions that are in our life. And so the question is, just a practical handle. You, you're, you're wondering, okay, well, how do, I, how do I figure out what I want to fast in these, next four, or in these next 40 days, 21 days of prayer and fasting? How do I figure it out? I, 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 just a practical question. What do you crave in your life that distracts you from God? What do you crave in your life that distracts you from God? And pray about removing that for 21 days. Pray, pray about uh, whether, whether that's fasting from sunup to sundown. You say, you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna miss lunch uh, and, and I'm going to take that time that I may have been eating food or going out with people and I'm just gonna go to the park and I'm gonna pray. All right, maybe for you, it's mindlessly scrolling on social media and, and, and through TikTok and, and, and Instagram and all the things that this world offers us, right? It's mindlessly scrolling hours and hours and hours. And you would say, man, I need to disconnect from that so that I can connect back to God. Whatever it is, ask the question, what in my life is distracting me from God? Let me remove that for a season so that I can use it to depend on Jesus. So, so we, we prepare our hearts through fasting, but then we pursue God through prayer. We pursue God through prayer. So, so we have this fasting that prepares our hearts, but then we pursue God through prayer. You see, fasting prepares my, my heart to see God's heart. Right? It allows me to see God's heart. And here's the reality about prayer. Everybody wants to be close to God, but nobody wants to. Uh, it's, 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 it's very um, seldom that we want to uh, make room uh, to spend time with God. Right? If we're just being honest with each other. Like, like I want to be uh, close to God, but then I find my, my schedule so packed and I, it's hard sometimes for me to make room for God in my life. And the reality of it is, right, prayer is the price of intimacy with God. Prayer is the price of intimacy and closeness with God, right? In, in earthly relationships, right? If you have a best friend or, or your spouse, you would never say uh, that, th that this person is the closest person in my life, and yet I don't, I don't ever spend any time with them. No, 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 you, you would say, man, I, I wanna spend all of my time and energy and resources with this person because I wanna be close to them, and it's the same thing with God. Now, we're going to talk about some practical things here today, but I want to encourage some people in the room because oftentimes I hear sermons about prayer, and it can sometimes be discouraging if I'm honest with myself. Because I sit there and I'm like, man, how could I ever, how could I ever pray like that person? You ever heard somebody pray some, like something just so holy, and you're like, 
I don't know how you prayed that, but I don't know if I could ever pray the way you just prayed, right? Like that, that was straight from the Lord. I know God heard that prayer, right? Like I, I, don't, I don't know if I could ever get there. Right? And I, I hear sermons sometimes about prayer and I'm like, man, I don't know if I can ever amount up to that. Let me just encourage somebody in the room that feels like their prayer life is, is maybe non-existent or is weak. Prayer is for everyday people. Prayer is for everyday people. It's for stay-at-home moms. It's not just for pastors, right? Prayer is for for stay-at-home moms. It's for people who are working jobs. It's for people who who have kids. It's for for everyday people. You you can even pray if you don't even believe in God. Maybe, Maybe you're here in this place, you're like, I don't even know if I buy this whole Jesus thing. I think you're in a perfect place to talk to God. I think you're in a perfect place to pray to God because really and truly, if we just boil it down, prayer is simply talking to God. I I didn't grow up in church. I got invited to a youth group that was very similar uh, to our church one day. And uh, and I'm like, I, I walked in, I didn't believe in Jesus. I was like, why are these people raising their hands? That's so weird, right? Like, why is the pastor so excited, right? Why is he yelling so much, right? Like, what are these people? And 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 let me just let me just say, I, I began to pray. I was like, I don't even know if I believe in this whole Jesus thing, but but God, if you're real. Would you, would you reveal yourself to me? I started to pray and, praying to God before I ever even knew him. And let me just encourage you. God showed up and grabbed a hold of my heart and saved me. And so, so prayer is for everybody. Pray, you don't have to be special. You don't have to be put together. Your life doesn't have to be perfect for you to start praying to God because he'll meet you through prayer. Amen? Amen. So let's pursue God through prayer. I want to I walk through a portion of scripture in Matthew uh, chapter 26. This is Jesus. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to go pay for the sins of the world. And he goes to the garden of Gethsemane. It says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray, watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them again sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. 
The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I want to give you a couple things in this scripture that I, I hope will help you. Um, and, and, and I've been uh, trying to practice in my prayer life. It's been helpful to me. And the first part is this. Uh, if we're going to pursue God in prayer, we need to position ourselves uh, in the secret place. Position ourselves in the secret place. In Matthew chapter 26, he says, going a little farther, Maybe, 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 you, maybe, we should, maybe we need to write this down, put this uh, on our mirror, uh, going a little farther, right? He, he said, you stay here, and I'm going to go a little farther, which is to say, I got to go and get alone with God. I got to go and get alone with my Father so that I can be with him. He says, going a, a little farther, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Position yourself in the secret place, which is simply, simply to say, get alone with God and talk with him. It doesn't mean that you can't talk to God while you're in front of other people, but, but what God really wants uh, is you and him to have intimacy and to, to be able to talk together. And you would say, why, Spencer? Why does God really want us to position ourselves in the secret place? And, and here's why. Because oftentimes, right, in, in these scriptures, right, Pharisees, they would pray these perfect and elaborate prayers to God in front of other people, but their hearts were far from God. Come on, how, how many of you know uh, we can say perfect prayers and still our hearts be far from God? Right? The, and, and here's how we know that, right? Uh, because the same people who praised Jesus as he came into Jerusalem on a donkey were the same hands that crucified him three days later, right? So it's, so it's not enough, right, to just, to just say prayers. Right? God, God is much more concerned about our heart than he, than he is what we say, right? God would rather, let me put it like this, God would rather me say two words, three words that I actually mean and are actually from my heart than a thousand words that I don't really mean, that are all put together and perfect and elaborate. He would rather me just say, God, I need you, than a thousand words of perfect and elaborate, beautiful prayers that I don't mean from my heart. And so that's why he asks us to go and position ourselves in the secret place because oftentimes when we're in front of other people, we're more worried about what they're thinking than what our heart really feels before God. So we need to position ourselves in the secret place. The question I would ask you is, where can you go and where can I go? Where can we go and be alone with God? Maybe, maybe that for you is, is a park. Right? You, 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 you got an hour at lunch, and instead of rolling through Chick-fil-A, somebody, uh, we, we, we're going we're gonna to go to the park, and we're going to pray for 30, 45 minutes, and then go back to work. Be alone with God. Maybe it's a room in your house that, uh, that, that doesn't have anything in it. You know you can get away from the screaming kids and, and, and everybody that's in the house. Right? You can go, and you can be alone with God. Maybe it's 
in your car. Maybe the only time that you have every single day is your drive to work. The only time alone you have is, is your time driving to work. Here's what I would say about the secret place. The secret place is a silent place. We are a, a culture that is consumed with noise. We always have to have music going. We always have to have stimulus coming in. I would encourage you, some of the greatest moments that God can speak to us are when we are alone with him and it's silent. And so if that's on your way to work, I would encourage you, turn the music off and just say, God, I'm here to be with you right now. Would you speak to me in whatever way that you desire? Position ourselves in the secret place. The second thing I see that Jesus has is a posture of reverence. It says he, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. He, he went a little further. He got in a secret place alone with God, and then he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed. It's this posture of reverence before the Father, a posture of reverence. What, is that, what does that mean? What does reverence really mean? That's kind of a churchy word, but what does reverence really mean? It means that, that, that God is seated on the throne, that he is holy, that we are ascribing to him the, the name that is above every name, that the name that every knee will bow and confess one day, that he is Lord. It's a posture of reverence. And I think this is so important when we're talking about prayer, because I think our culture has gone so far in, 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 in one direction, right? We, we, we've become so um, accustomed to, to God that we almost, uh, we, we almost uh, treat him nonchalantly, right? As if he's a, just a friend that's supposed to uh, do exactly what we want and, uh, and he's supposed to uh, 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 give us the raise and give us the promotion and give us the, the life that we've always dreamed about and, and we make God to be out uh, this, this genie in a bottle. And, 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 and although Jesus was friend of sinners, hear me today, he is a friend. He's closer than a brother, but he's also Lord of all. He, he, is, he is both friend of sinners, which means that he, he stepped out of his throne and came to heaven. He stepped down and he, he lived a perfect life and he died a death that, that we deserve so he could have relationship with us, so he could be in union back with us. He's, he is friend of sinners, but make no mistake, my friends, he is also Lord of all, and he, he is supposed to be revered. And so, so we hold this tension, right? He's closer than a brother, but he's also enthroned in heaven. And that matters, right? We can't go in one direction because some of us have grown up and, and we feel like God is this, just this God that's so disappointed in us and he wants to just smite us. And that's not true either. God is a loving God and he forgives us and we are we can come boldly before his throne because of what Jesus did but he's also Lord. Jesus, he had this posture of reverence. It says he fell face down. And so the question I, I would ask myself and, and us collectively is how are you framing God in your prayer life? How are you framing God because how you frame him will be how you relate to him. Do we have reverence before a holy God? But also do we believe that he's still our friend? He's closer than a brother. He, he loves us. 
this posture of our heart, it, it matters in prayer. And then he goes on, he, he prays this simple prayer. You see, Jesus, he's in anguish. His heart is, he's going through it. It says that he's sorrowful unto death because he knows the, he knows the, the, he knows the death that he's about to die. He knows that he's about to be crucified. He, know that, he knows that he's about to be rejected. But worst of all, he knows that the Father is about to turn his face. He's about, he's about to turn his face from him because Jesus is about to take the sin of the world on his body. And so his heart is struggling with what he's about to go and have to do. And he prays this prayer in faith. And that's, I want to encourage you today, we've got to be people who pray in faith. The first part of his prayer is he remembers who he's speaking to. He says, he starts his prayer, my father, right? And when we're praying, that's what we should do, right? We should remember who we're talking to. We should remember that the father, he spoke and the stars just existed. He breathed life into humanity and it was. He formed you. With his hands, he formed me in my mother's womb. So he knows me, and so he's in control, my father. We, we need to remember who we're talking to whenever we are praying. We often focus so much on what we're praying instead of who we're talking to. And the reality is, Jesus, he starts his prayer. He says, my father. He remembers his father. And then he, 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 he puts in his request which is, if it is possible, may this cup be taking, taken from me. I want you to know that God cares so much about what you care about, small or large. It could be the smallest thing in the world, and, and God wants to hear about it. It could be a parking spot in the middle of Target because everybody is parking at Target. I don't even know how they have enough spaces for all the people who go to Target, right? You're like, God, I need a parking spot. He cares about that. He cares about that. And guess what? He also cares about your wildest dreams that you feel like you can't accomplish on your own, and he cares about those things. He cares about the very things that everybody else doesn't care about. And so when we come boldly before him, we should know that we can request from God. Jesus said, if there's any other way, let it be done. If there's any other way for this to happen, let it be done, God. But then, then, and I think this is the most important part of Jesus' prayer, he relinquishes control. He remembers who he's talking to. He, he puts in his request to God, but then he relinquishes control. And how many of you know all my control freaks in the room? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand for us all, okay? Right, like, control, like this is so hard. This is so difficult. This is the hardest part of prayer, relinquishing control. Jesus says, Yet not as I will, but as you will. Yet, yet not, not as I, my, my desires. I have all these plans and I'm, I'm putting them at your feet, but, but not as I will, but as you will, Father. 
Prayer is not getting my will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done in me. Right? And when we relinquish control, that's what we're doing. Right? When we say, God, this is what I want. But in the end, I know that you care more about me than anybody else in the world. I know that you have laid out my plan and you have my path and this is what I'm desiring in my life. But in the end, not my will, but your will. I'm relinquishing control of my life. I'm surrendering all to you because I know that you care for me and you love me and your plan may not match my plan, but I know it's so much better than I could ever even imagine. I may not want to, I may be staring something in the face that I don't want to go and do, that I'm struggling with, but not my will, your will. Relinquish control. Relinquish control. And then we see the provision of God. And I'm closing. We see the provision of God. And you would say, where is the provision of God in this scripture? Because Jesus still goes to the cross. Where is the provision in this story, because Jesus still goes to the cross. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, he says, Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Jesus, he prayed this prayer, uh, let this cup pass for me, but not my will, let your will be done. Uh, he prayed it three times, and I believe, this is just my personal belief, but I believe that every single time he went back and prayed this prayer, that God was reminding him what was on the other side of his obedience. Because later on in Hebrews, we, we, it says that the cross, what Jesus endured, it was the joy that was set before him. It was a joy for him to go to the cross and do what he did. Why? It certainly wasn't to be put on the cross. It certainly wasn't the pain that, that came with it. The joy was relationship with you and I. The joy was that he got to go and do what he did so that you and I could be made right with him whenever we confess that Jesus is Lord. And so I, I believe that every time Jesus comes and he falls on his face before the Father and he says, please let this cup pass from me, but not my will, let your will be done. I believe the Father was reminding him, this is the plan that I have for your life. But just remember on the other side of your obedience is relationship with, with, the, with the people that we've created. And they need you to go and do what you are going to do, and that's why Jesus at the end, if you, if you look at it, right, in verse 46, his tone completely changes. It says that when he entered into prayer, that he was sorrowful unto death. And when he exits prayer, he says, rise. Come on, somebody, let us go. My, my betrayer is here. It's almost as if, it, if Jesus is saying, I've, I've prayed three times. The Father has affirmed that this is what I'm supposed to go and do, and now I'm ready to go and pay for the sins of the world. Rise, let us go. I'm ready to go and do what my Father has called me to do. And so where's the provision in that? Because his circumstances didn't change. His circumstances didn't change. The provision in that
is that his perspective changed. And oftentimes, if I could just encourage you with this, oftentimes when we pray, God doesn't pull us out of the mess that we're in. But he does give us a heavenly perspective to go and obey him. What if the provision of prayer was simply that God is desiring for us to get a heavenly perspective so that we can go and obey him? I'll leave you this story. I, uh, I came to Tallahassee in 2016 to college, like Pastor Jordan said, and um, I'll just I'll just say that my freshman year at Florida State uh, was rough, okay? Uh, I, I, I came and, and I got mono, um, life hit. I, I was taking pre-med classes and I really wanted to be in ministry. And I'm, I'm like, God, why would you put me here? Why would you do this to me? I'm, I'm feeling alone and distraught and, and strung out and I'm barely hanging on. And, and, and I really, I was praying one day a couple months into uh, being at Florida State, and I really felt like God spoke to me, which is crazy. Uh, he's like, I really want you to go launch a church. And I was like, well, that's crazy because I'm 18 years old and I don't know anything about launching a church. Uh, and so I called up my youth pastor and I said, hey, I know this is crazy, but I'm struggling and I, I really feel like God told me to go launch a church. And uh, he said, well, why don't you go start a Bible study first and we'll just see where that goes, right? Um, and, and, but, but I hung on to that, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to go and do that. I'll be faithful with small. And, and, and here's what's funny is I was like, I, cause I would come home every single day and I would tell my roommate at the time, I'd be like, dude, I know this is crazy, but I feel like we're supposed to go and launch a church. And I don't know how God's going to do it, but I just feel like we're supposed to. Would you know that at that moment in time, that God was also stirring my youth pastor's heart to go and launch a church. A church with the vision to bring hope, healing, and home to people who don't have it. And three years later, he would come to Tallahassee and launch a church called Experience Church, and now we are sitting where we are because of that. Because of his obedience. Why did I tell you that story? Because in that moment, I was on the border of being depressed. I didn't know why God had me here. I was confused why he had me in Tallahassee, and yet he was preparing my heart for what he was preparing Pastor Jordan's heart to come and do, and now we're sitting here, and look at God's provision. And guess what? He didn't take me out of it, but I'm so glad that I kept praying, and I'm so glad that I didn't give up because I would not be here if I had. So my encouragement for all of us today, don't stop praying. God is working in the middle of your circumstance, even if you can't see it. And he will provide. Amen? Let's pray.